everybody. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. Coming back with the uh, second episode of the Art Nouveau period. Um, should take this opportunity to thank our sponsor, Bits and Bits. You want to you wanna yeah. tell the people a little bit about... Uh, yeah. I can't speak over here. Tell them a little bit about Bits and Bits. Well, Bits and Bits manufactures in their own shop in Oregon a wide range of spiral router bits from eighth shank, eighth inch shank to half inch shank, uh, from a one thirty second cutting di diameter to half inch cutting diameter. Am I doing any better? I don't think so. <laughs> Up cut, down cut, compression, and more used in router tables, handheld routers, CNC machines. Hobbyists and production shops alike mm -hmm. use bits and bits. Bits. Bits and bits, bits. They use the bits from bits and bits. We use bits and bits, bits. You can get yourself some bits and bits, bits by using our coupon code American Craftsman. Yeah. Save 15% off. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, bits and bits, they coat their spiral bits with Astra coating, a proprietary nano coating designed to keep the bit running cooler prolonging the sharpness of the cutting edge. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the only factory authorized dealer to Astrocoat white side router bits. Yeah, which is a hell of a combo. Yeah. And uh, expanding line of white side bits range from spiral flush trim bits to roundovers, chamfers, rabbiting bits, and more. Uh, and they're also a Festool dealer stocking many router and domino related accessories and consumables. So, um... You know, check it out. Support the podcast. Yeah, support a, a good company, Bits and Bits. Save some dough. Yeah, 15%. It's a really good deal. Um, you know, great router bits. Not the crap that you find at Home Depot that's going to burn up after one cut. You know, oh, God, no. These things last forever. They're yeah. really, really good. They can be sharpened. Um, you know, it's a quality, quality tool. So, bits and Bits. Thanks a lot, Bits and Bits. Let's uh, get into the show. Yeah, I'm... Uh, Thinking we're going to spend two episodes talking about the furniture, um, mm -hmm. and uh, furniture created in the Art Nouveau style. It was prominent from the beginning of the 1890s to the beginning of uh, WW1 in 1914. Oh, look at that! We had our answer right there in episode yeah. two. And uh, I wrote that and didn't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> It happens. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> um, Art Nouveau furniture characteristically use forms based on nature, such as vines, flowers, water lilies. Getting wrapped up in a hot vine. Yeah, oh, yeah. Ain't it better? Uh, they featured curving and undulating lines, sometimes known as the whiplash line both in the form and the decoration. Um, as I said at the end of the last episode, other common characteristics were asymmetry and polychromy achieved by inlaying different colored woods. So hmm. this is a big um, departure. Maybe not the use of, you know, different colored woods. Right. You know, that was, you know, certainly happening previous to this, but the asymmetry mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of that going on. No. Uh, at least not in what we've uh, been looking at. Um, the style was named 
for Siegfried Bing's Maison de l'Art Nouveau Gallery and Shop in Paris, which opened in 1895. And uh, originally, the furniture was usually made by hand. It had uh, a fine, polished finish. Um, they used luxurious veneers, which usually meant like exotic veneers. Uh, we talked about them sourcing woods from Africa, mm-hmm. Belgian Congo. Again, at this time, we're talking about imperialism and colonialism from Europe in Africa. Yep. So they're discovering all these African hardwoods and, and bringing them back and creating these really nice veneers. Um, and, it, of course, it took a lot of craftsmanship to produce these original pieces. Yeah. Um, in the early years of the art of the style Art Nouveau architects often designed the furniture to match the style of their houses. Uh, this makes me think of green brothers. Yeah. Um, Frank Lloyd Wright. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. These architects included Charles Rennie McIntosh. We've heard of him. Um, he was, uh, involved in the arts and crafts movement. Uh, Antoni Gaudi, Victor Horta, Hector Guimard, and Henry Vandeveld. Vanderlei Industries. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? Art Vandeleu was an architect. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's been a while since we made a Seinfeld reference. Yeah. I think he was also an author, Art yeah. Vanderlei. <laughs> It's a beatnik author down in the village. <laughs> After 1900, particularly in the furniture designed for the Vienna Secession and the German Jungstil, the young style, the forms became simpler, more functional, and more geometric, and some could be produced on assembly lines. Hmm. No, we'll back up and talk about the Vienna Secession in a little while. Uh, so what influenced... Arts and crafts, not, not arts and crafts, Art Nouveau furniture. Uh, particularly the British arts and crafts movement hmm. um, because of its emphasis on fine craftsmanship. Uh, this is a reaction to the Victorian era. Like cheap, you know. Um, you know, manufacturing. The, it yeah. was, I think we started seeing, you know, like more of those furniture shops the separation of design and producer. Mm-hmm. Um, the What's the phrase I'm reaching for? Uh, division of labor. Yep. Where one person just makes a furniture leg all day, every day. Yep. Um, so, but unlike furniture made by the British arts and crafts movement, from which it emerged in stylistic respects, most Art Nouveau furniture was produced in factories by normal fat manufacturing techniques, which led to tensions with arts and crafts figures in England who criticized continental Art Nouveau furniture for not being honestly constructed. The, the continent of yeah. Europe. Well, that's, yeah, coming from the guys who couldn't really sell their stuff because it was too damn expensive. <laughs> Everybody's a critic. Yeah. You know, it's funny, all the hypocrisy, isn't it? <laughs> yes, we learned at the, 
you know, at the end of the arts and crafts period uh, sessions that no people couldn't afford it. Yeah, the English arts and crafts places couldn't, they weren't sustainable because nobody could buy it. Um, you know, that's kind of the line that we have to balance ourselves upon each and every day. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not factory, of course, it's just two guys, but we have, we have machines, we have machinery, we have, uh, different, um, choices in, uh, fabrication styles and things like that. And we always have to balance between, um, you know, our craft and, and where our heart and mind is mm -hmm. and making a saleable, a piece of furniture or a cabinet. Yeah. Um, and in the shop right now, we have two distinct examples, don't we? Yeah. Um, we have a, a big unit that's solid walnut construction, glued up panels. So where you might see um, in a production shop that just being a plywood carcass. Right. It, we built it entirely out of walnut. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a different, uh, knowledge base. You have to take into account wood grain and movement and matching it and all these other things, as opposed to just, uh, gluing and biscuiting a plywood box together, right. uh, which is faster, easier, cheaper. Uh, but it's a totally different aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, and even though you can kind of, I don't want to say hide it, but to most consumers, they don't, they have to be shown the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, you could edge band that plywood and most people are going to look at it and go, Oh, walnut. Right. <laughs> Whereas you and I, and you know, other folks like us, we're going to go, uh, no, <laughs> walnut plywood. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, those guys, um, I don't know if they, they dealt with it. They just sort of, um, you know, chose to, to be produced in the factory. Uh, Art Nouveau furniture also tended to be expensive. Uh, so that's kind of another knock against it as far as it, uh, emerging from the arts and crafts movement. Although they found themselves in that very same boat. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, on paper, they, they wanted to appeal to the masses. Um, that furniture or Art Nouveau furniture had a fine, usually polished finish or varnished. Uh, it was, it was regarded as essential and the designs coming from continental Europe were really complex, um, curve shapes. And it was expensive to make. Um, you know, we know all about that. Uh, France and Belgium, furniture designers, I should say French and Belgian furniture designers took up the style with more enthusiasm than those of most countries. Um, so what can we say? France and Belgium are sort of the, the center points for Art Nouveau furniture. Mm -hmm. Starts off as a, you know, with some of the same uh, points of contention as the British arts and crafts movement. Mm -hmm. 
but it doesn't doesn't last. The ties yeah. are quickly severed. Um, you know, if you look at Macintosh's furniture, um, his stuff was austere. It was geometrical, uh, right angles, certainly symmetrical. And uh, that wasn't the case for the Art Nouveau stuff. Um, should we, uh, let's see, we, we've listed in the past a couple of designers and architects um, who are well known, in case you missed last episode. But uh, uh, Macintosh, also known in the arts and crafts arena. And uh, I suppose a couple of Frenchmen, uh, Anthony Gaudi and uh, Umar. Porta. These guys were all Art Nouveau designers. Um, again, the Continental designs, elaborate, lots of curved shapes, uh, both in um, the basic shape of the piece and what they applied to it. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't sort of like a rectangle with stuff, curves stuck on it. It right. was, you know, no holds barred. Um. So Art Nouveau furniture also uh, adapted certain features from other earlier historical so styles, uh, particularly the curling lines of uh, Rococo. Uh, again, Japanese furniture design, um, which featured light and sort of fragile forms uh, and marquetry. These, this influenced Art Nouveau furniture. And the Japanese style had become popular in Europe in the uh, 1890s. Uh, thanks again to Samuel Bing and um, the Liberty and Company store in London and Milan. Um, I got a little note here about Siegfried, uh, Samuel Siegfried Bing, um, because he did, his store did give name to the Art Nouveau style. Um, <laughs> this is great. People don't name their kids like this anymore. Samuel Siegfried Bing. Not to be confused with his brother, Samuel Otto Bing. <laughs> what do you think? I'm just guessing. I don't know for sure. What do you think their dad's name was? Yeah. <laughs> Samuel? Sam. <laughs> he was a German-French art dealer who lived in Paris and as an adult, helped introduce Japanese art and artworks to the West and was a factor in the development of the Art Nouveau style during the late 19th century. Um, there's uh, some of the more prominent were Scottish architect and designer Charles Rennie McIntosh, who specialized in predominantly geometric lines and particularly influenced by the Austri Austrian Secessionist movement. I won't even uh, attempt to say that in German. <laughs> the secession style. Yeah. If you click on uh, Macintosh, um, what? Oh, that's, that's nothing. Oh, there we go. You could see that is very Art Nouveau. Um, but that was about it. You know, there's his furniture. It's, it's, it doesn't, uh, 
it doesn't uh, lend itself to the Art Nouveau at all. Mm. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I'm definitely a rehashing of an older style, but, you know, he's got these intricate curves here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, actually, one of those. Oh, this says unknown Philadelphia craftsman, 1730 oh, yeah. to 40. Yeah. Oh, there's some sort of. Uh... <clears throat> I don't think that was all Macintosh. Whatever that, that article. Oh. Um. This is very Art Nouveau. Yeah, yeah. That's a cat. What are those? The doors right there on that cabinet? This? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I'm waiting to get to this bed frame. Um. Uh, Belgian architects Henry Van de Velde and oh they were they were um Belgian and mm -hmm. Victor Horta whose extremely sinuous and delicate structures influenced the French architect Gumar and uh Gumar and <laughs> another important fig figure um uh glassmaker Louis Comfort Tiffany what's uh, uh I think I I think I left those blue links I thought I left them as uh, links to see some examples of their work, but I could be wrong. I could have sworn that. Um, furniture and iron designer, Louis Marjorell. Oh, this is terrible. They might just be artifacts of uh, uh, pacing stuff in. Well, there's this iron stuff, but, uh, yeah, if you back up a little bit, one more, right there. No, this is that's, an, that's no, an advertisement. Because if I'm not mistaken, he did like the gates at like a big, uh, Parisian, mm -hmm. uh, train station. There was the check graphic designer, uh, an artist, Alphonse Mucha. Yeah, these are all just Britannical okay. links. French glass and jewelry designer, Rene Lalique. Now, Lalique's, Lalique and Tiffany I'd heard of. Um, and Sullivan, of course, because he's got some famous stuff in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, American architect, Louis Henry Sullivan. He used plant-like Art Nouveau ironwork to decorate his traditionally structured buildings. Mm. And the Spanish architect and sculptor Antonio Gaudi, perhaps the most original artist of the movement, who went beyond dependence on line to transform buildings into curving, bulbous, brightly colored, organic constructions. Interesting. Yeah. After 1910, Art Nouveau appeared old-fashioned and limited and was generally abandoned as a distinct decorative style. Hmm. Yeah, it was very fleeting. In the 60s, however, the style was rehabilitated in part by major exhibitions organized at the Museum of Modern Art in New York uh, and the Musée National d'Art Moderne 
as well as by large-scale retrospective on Beardsley, hmm. held at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London in 66. Um, the exhibitions elevated the status of the movement, which had often been viewed by critics as a passing trend. Um, well, that's kind of how it feels, doesn't it? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but it did elevate it to the level of other major modern art movements to the late 19th century. And I guess that's why it uh, appears as one of the 12 major movements, mm -hmm. uh, periods in American furniture. Uh, currents of the movement were then revitalized in pop and op art. Uh, op art, also called optical art, is a branch of mid-20th century geometric abstract art that deals with optical illusion. Interesting. Um, like, uh, what's the, who's the famous guy with the staircase? Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, callers, call in now and tell us. <laughs> yeah. The name that we're missing, um, but everybody knows that mm -hmm. um, that guy. I wonder, you ever see the stuff like stare at this and see if you could see um, like it's got, it doesn't look like something. It looks like a, just a bunch of like squares, squares yeah, and then yeah. there's a picture in there. Those were big when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I never could see the, the the other thing. Like you're supposed to stare at it for like 20 seconds and yeah, like really close yeah. and then back up. Yeah, I can never get it. Sometimes I could. And then there's the one where you could do you see the old lady or the young man or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, in the popular domain, the flowery organic lines of Art Nouveau were revived as new psychedelic style in the fashion and in the topography used on rock and pop album covers and in commercial advertising. Hmm. Ah, so I, uh, I must have had that deep in this, you know, the corners of my mind when I <laughs> was reading it the last episode. So Britain, um, I think in this little section, we're going to go through the regional uh, schools of the, the Art Nouveau. Um, in Britain, you had arts and crafts and the Glasgow. Do you say Glasgow or Glasgow? I, I don't know. I think it's Glasgow. And the Glasgow school. Uh, so as we discussed, <laughs> as we discussed in last month's series, Britain's arts and crafts movement launched early in the 1880s had advocated finely crafted handmade furniture in a reaction against factory-made factory mass-produced furniture. <laughs> I try to make it easy on myself, and I still can't do it. <laughs> you know, because, you know, there's a difference between, like, typing up something is like you're writing a report. Oh, yeah. And then I got a real, and then I realized I have to read this. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> By the 1890s, Glasgow was Glasgow was a major seaport and prosperous industrial center, and it aspired to have a distinct cultural identity. So two former students of Glasgow School of Art, the designers Charles Rennie McIntosh and his wife, 
Margaret, Margaret McDonald McIntosh help establish that identity. Imagine being like that person, like, you know, like you, you're that influential, like we're, you know, cobbling together our furniture in there and it's like two furniture designers, Jeff and Rob formed a, you know, blah, 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 became so influential that their style uh, helped create an identity in central New Jersey. Uh, We see the influencers these days. It's not us. Yeah. Yeah. That is one uh, slippery slope to go into the influencer. Influencing to the lowest common denominator. Yeah, yeah. Um because like these guys they they inspired designers and stuff like that and and typically the people who contact us that are designers they're you know more bottom line focused. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not really like looking to be inspired by design. Right. Um which is a shame. Uh They want you to build the thing and shut up. Yeah. They do it for cheap. Yeah, kind of makes you uh, wistful of of a time like this, I guess. I wonder if it was that if it was that good. Probably not. Yeah. Um, the furniture Macintosh design was inspired by arts and crafts. It was austere, geometrical, long straight lines, right angles, uh, to which his he and his wife added touches of Art Nouveau decoration. They used painted wood. Um, marquetry of enamel and stained glass and fabrics such as painted silk. Hmm. All right, that sounds cool. His major project commissioned in 1897 was a remaking of the school building and its interiors, for which the two Macintoshes created the architecture, decoration, and furniture. Nice. Wow. That would be pretty cool. Um the furniture and decor of Willow Tea Room of the school became a popular symbol of the Glasgow style. It influenced artists of other schools, particularly the Vienna Secession, which invited Macintosh to exhibit his work. All right. Thank you, Rob, for actually putting some links in there. <laughs> wow. Check out those chairs. This is the, the tea room, the Willow Tea Room in the school in Scotland. Yeah, see, I would uh, associate this with Art Deco. Yeah. But I guess that Glasgow style is uh, more sh- uh, rectilinear than uh, most Art Nouveau. I definitely see some Frank Lloyd Wright mm. in these super tall back dining chairs. Yeah. Um, or vice versa, because this... right. Predates, uh, and look at this. Look at the glass. That's what I mean. You know, I uh, I didn't say it correctly, but it looks like Frank Lloyd Wright was influenced by this work. Yeah, big uh, time. Um, What's going on here? Are they missing a piece of glass? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to fix that. So it's this really tall, narrow back dining chair. These are very austere. Uh huh. This, you know, it could be like the cafeteria in some kind of you know, dystopian future. Uh, like I'm reading Brave New World right now. I could see yeah. this being the lunchroom in the you know like the birthing uh, building. But it's got style. 
I yeah, mean, oh yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it definitely looks cool as hell. They got a dishes glass on the tables, but yeah, that's, yeah. I'm sure that's a modern. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what the tables look, look like underneath. We'll put this tablecloth on there. Um, because it's a modern photo and the, the tables are covered with a tablecloth and a big thick piece of tempered glass. How uneven that is. I know. Um, so these chairs, um, I mean, it, it's like shoulder height almost, the backs, right? Mm, I don't know. No, huh? that's like head height. Head like, height. Like top of your head. Yeah. Oh, I meant if I was standing up. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's got to be 60 inches tall. Yeah, um, because this is if that's 30, and it's got that cool kind of the back slat is solid, but it curves in between the straight lines of the frame. Yeah, um, it's got like these, it's got nine little square glass inlaid, um, windows like little windows. Very cool, got like a little gentle curve here. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting design. I um I I haven't seen anything really like the especially if you include like the base of the chair. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty unique. And then yeah. the upholstery looks like it's it's in some of the chairs and not in others, right? Look, the one in the in the foreground doesn't look like it has upholstery on it. Where? One that we're looking at, or is that the this one? Oh, is That's that the, the back? back. Yeah, oh, I at, see. It's at this table. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the upholstery is like applied to the back. Yeah. With like a padding on it. Yep. Yeah. Very interesting. I don't know what's up with this chair. It 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 moves. Creeps its way back over to the. I'm trying to keep my uh, got my feet feet, feet up. Out I'm trying to screen. keep them out of the screen. So that's the Willow Tea Room. Uh, here's a Macintosh cabinet. Is this going to be that? That uh, yeah. There it is. So this is very, very interesting. So this is a painted oak cabinet. I thought these were people holding something. Yeah, it's really. I mean, those. It's this is wild. Yeah. Um, how? Can, I can't even begin to describe it. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, looks like something out of like Dune. Yeah. It's really kind of weirdly futuristic. Yeah. And the painting, and if that's marquetry with the glass inlay or something like that to make those figures. Yeah. It's like a, a turbaned person holding a giant ball of yarn with an eye in the middle of it or something. And they're shaped kind of like, uh, they have like a big wing or shell on their back. Yeah, like a beetle almost. And, and those, those purple inlays, I mean, the cabinet's painted white oak. Yeah. Um, the interior of the doors are like, Green is that fabric? I don't know. I thought maybe yeah, it was like velvet. Yeah, kind of looks this like side it. Doesn't look like it. This side does, but I don't know. Could be uh, some kind of metal that's got patina on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's an interesting mix of materials, shape, um, color. Yeah. 
I wouldn't have thought Macintosh would be associated with something like that. Very different than the, the chairs we just saw. Yeah. All right. So in Belgium, the first Art Nouveau houses appeared in Brussels in 1893, including the Hotel Tassel, designed by Victor Horta. Um, Horta designed not only the house and decor, but he also designed the furniture, which featured the same nature-inspired curling whiplash lines, which were featured in the architecture, wrought iron, balcony, and stairway railings, uh, ceramic floors, and door handles. Let's see. What... Oh, yeah, there's that staircase. I remember that. That's wild, right? Yeah. All these. Very vine, uh, vine like. That's the, uh, the whiplash that the Art Nouveau movement is, uh, synonymous with. Yeah. It's almost like an acanthus kind of. Mm hmm. Like an exaggerated acanthus. Yeah. And you see, like, where the, the balusters should go. Is that a shadow on the wall being cast by the this? balusters, or is that something else? All this? Yeah. I think it's uh, like a like a mural kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So, uh, what's this guy's name again? Porta. Porta. So his lines were um, particularly uh, inspired by long curling stems of plants. Uh, you can definitely see that in the staircase. Oh, yeah. Uh, his furniture had a minimum of decoration, and the decoration and form merged into a seamless unit. Here's an example of Horta's whiplash lines. Oh, this oh, is yeah. the staircase. We got ahead so, of ourselves. So I have a real uh, link there. Um <laughs> Another Belgian architect and furniture designer was Paul Hankar, who designed one of the first Art Nouveau houses in Brussels and, like Horta, used the curving whiplash lines in his furniture. Now, let's uh, check out a Paul Hankar stool. Hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah. Very asymmetrical. Yes. Do you could see the repeating pattern... Um, sort of from right to left. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and these are you know this one curves that way, and this one curves. You know this is going left, and this is going yeah backwards, yeah. and the same thing with the right. It's just like railroaded. That's interesting. Yeah. Um. That's an but, idea to steal. But my um, ignorance of the Art Nouveau movement, if you would have shown this to me and said, what, you know, where is this categorized? It's like a wacky arts and crafts uh, project. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to. Because it's got the quartered, the quartered oak and yeah. these through tenons wedged, you know, it's got a, it's, if, if these just went opposite and had a simple stretcher, it would be arts and crafts. Mm-hmm. But it's got this very intricate, uh, I guess whiplash you would call it, stretcher. Yeah. Um, I like at the top, look at that little dish out it's got. 
Oh, yeah. Is that a stain from something? or no, is that no, it's is, a little hollow. I like that. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's like a, a square top on the stool, but it's got a, a perfect circle sort of relieved at the top with gentle edges. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another notable Belgian furniture designer of the early Art Nouveau was Gustav Surrier Beauvais, who adapted the natural curving forms and added more decoration, applying small brass ornaments in whiplash lines to his mahogany armoise. Let's check out Beauvais. Hmm. Again, to me, it looks art deco. Yeah. But that's coming from, you know, this this I like a lot. Yeah, yeah. These that's uh, hinges are crazy. Small brass decoration. So how would how would we just is that is it tapering in? Or is that just the angle? Yeah, back up. Uh no. I think it's just has that feeling because mm -hmm. of these and this. So this looks about the size of a piece of furniture we might be asked to make. <laughs> yeah. About, right? uh, six feet wide, seven feet tall, something like that. Yeah. 18 um, inches deep. And look, it's got, you know, I didn't notice it the first time, but it's got a simple frame and panel side. Yeah. Which is really straight out of the arts and crafts. Mm -hmm. And then the two large Except doors. Except for this, uh, the feet. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Oh, right. You can see there's an angle on them. Yeah. And a, and a radius here. Ah, very good. Yeah, this is cool. I I love the the frame and panel design of the front doors. Save that to the desktop. Um, Where it's sort of like, uh, almost like a... Got to save this too. Like a half of an, an eye shape. Yeah. Divided, you, you know, by the center line of the two doors. This has a little curve to it. Yeah. This uh, little downturn here at the top, really. Yeah, it really kind of makes it, doesn't it? Um, You know that um, that door that we were sent a picture of? Yeah, God, I'm going to ignore that email. That is like a rudimentary take on this you see how much style this has yeah and what a lack of style that drawing had yes it, sort it, of just like yeah let's let's stick a circle and a rectangle together yeah this is close enough you know um <clears throat> what that kind of you know emphasizes to me is that it's it's the small amount of extra effort and imagination that that make these things just so outstanding compared to the pedestrian design. Yeah, and it's hard. Like, I find it hard on commissioned work because, like, this is not a first draft. You know, no, it's not because right. of how well composed it is. But with commission work, it's like you send over your first draft, and a lot of times it's just met with, "Okay, that's good." So there's no need to revise it. Mm -hmm. You know, like. Um, there's nobody pushing back. Right. Saying be better. Yeah. Um, it's like you, if if we were to just build this as a spec piece, 
you know, then you would have, you would go back and work on the design and change it. And, you know, with commission work, it's like, as soon as it's acceptable from the client, that's when it's done mm -hmm. because I mean, that's what we do. We build what the client wants. So if they don't want any more then the design is done really. Right. Um, I mean, but you could see like that mid, the curving mid, mid rail, it's like wider up there at the section where it's reaching up towards the top of the corner of the door, right? Oh, this, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's yep. flaring out there. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's really, really nice. Um, I guess, I mean, those are probably veneered panels. I don't know. Hard to say. This looks like a flitch. Yeah. See here. Well, so who's the who's the designer of this? Uh, Surier Bovee. Um, it's S E R R U I E R. U R U R I E R. U R I E R. Sorry. Uh, B O V Y. Yeah, so he's got a hyphenated last name. It's it's really nice. You should look it up. He's uh, a Belgian, so yeah. I guess French-Belgian. Mahogany. Um, another influential Belgian furniture designer with a very different Art Nouveau style was Henry van der Velde. And he had designed furniture for his own house. <laughs> Blomenwerf. Yeah. Near geez. Brussels. Uh, in a style influenced by the British arts and crafts movement. Uh, he decorated the Art Nouveau style of Samuel Bing in Paris in 1896 and founded his own workshops in Brussels in 1898. Uh, his furniture featured the curving line, uh, but was less exuberant. Um, in 1897, he moved to Germany and became founding member of the German Workbund and an influential force in German furniture design. So Van der Velde's a, a name we should kind of know. Yeah. Uh, huh. What do you think of that Van der Velde chair? Almost looks like a Duncan Fife design. Hey, there you go. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a real big fan of it. I don't like the way the seat is bigger than the where the the front legs come in yeah i'm not into the like the rattan yeah and the oak and these miters I, eh. this looks a little kind of knock kneed yeah but he's an important designer yeah i could appreciate where he was going with it but I, for me i don't know the personal taste the, yeah the color on this oak is I don't know if it brown. was it was fumed and now it kind of looks more brown, but I don't know. Looks like a like a it could be from like the nineteen like early nineteen eighties or something. Yeah, uh, or like seventies. Yeah, seventies. You know, that's when that jute and everything was coming into style. Uh, do you have a stopping point on here a na or a natural one? or I don't think so. I think we're just uh, rocking through these guys. Here, you want to see? Uh, we'll take a, a little look at what we got. got Netherlands. 
There's, I know we talk about the Nancy the school, school and the, yeah. the, the secession, the Vienna secession. What do you think? You want to keep going or? Who's next? Uh, the Netherlands. What kind of, do we have any uh, pictures for them from the Netherlands? Not, not really. No. So, uh, I mean, we, we could discuss a little bit if, uh, what's, I don't know. I mean, how no, long. I mean, we're, we're fine on time. I'm just, we only got, right. we, there's only 12, uh, not eight pages left. <clears throat> That's amazing. We got through 18 pages. Yeah. This might only be a three, uh, three episode uh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Yes, we better we better cut it off wrap of this. it up. Yeah, we're so yeah. Next week we're gonna get into uh, other countries. We we just did Belgium. All right. So we thank everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you want back to work? Yeah, you want to support the podcast? You can join our Patreon. You can leave us a review. Uh, you can tell your friends. You can go get yourself some bits and bits bits or some vesting finish using coupon code American Craftsman. And yeah, keep on tuning in. Yeah. I agree. Tune in. Yeah, so we'll uh we'll see you again next week and we'll uh we'll wrap up the Art Nouveau. We'll get into um some more locations where things were happening and uh some of these schools. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the Nancy school. Yeah, Nancy boys tune in next week. Yeah.